This is Rays Radio. There's a high drive, deep in the air, left center field. Brindley turns and looks. It's gone! Home run! Willie Adamas is homered again, and the Rays have a 4 0 lead. Driven deep to right field, to the wall. Goodbye! G-Bon Joy! Welcome to Countdown to Opening Day. Morton to the plate. Curve! He struck him out. What a performance for Charlie Morton. Snell ready with the runners leading at second and third. The 1 2. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. The Rays win. Rays win. Rays win. Coming up, Andy Freed and Dave Will sit down with Rays players, coaches, and front office executives to discuss the latest news in Rays baseball. Breaking ball lifted in the air to left field. To the wall. Gone. Brandon Lau goes up Now to get you ready for opening day, here are the voices of the Rays. And with that, welcome to baseball season. We are counting down to opening day, 49 days from this very moment of the Rays hosting the Pittsburgh Pirates at Tropicana Field March 26th. And this is our initial countdown to opening day radio show. With Dave Wills, I'm Andy Freed. We're at the Golden Diamond Source Performance Center uh, here on the campus of, uh, of AM 620, of course, 95.3 FM as well, WDAE. And, Dave, I'm ready to talk baseball. You and I have texted baseball. We've talked baseball, but now other people hopefully will be listening to us talk baseball too. Tis baseball season. Tis. As soon as uh, the uh, clock hits zero on Sunday night, uh, I've, I started feeling like it's baseball season. And, you know, we've, it, there's some excitement around here, and there should be. The team came off a 96-win season, went to the postseason. I, I think it was uh, two of the more electric uh, nights or games of baseball at Tropicana Field that I've been a part of. I know people have been trying to compare and contrast 08 and 10 and some of the other playoff performances, uh, game 162. But when you look at 32, 33,000 people at Tropicana Field and there weren't guys in there wearing a Rays hat and somebody else's T-shirt, there was about 99% Rays fans in there. Uh, the Astros had a smattering of fans. But when big things happened for the Rays, that place was as loud as I can remember. The Kevin Kiermeyer home run, the first inning against Justin Verlander in game four, three runs against him and then knock him out early. I mean, uh, starting to get goosebumps again, thinking about all the good things that happened in 2019, but that's what I said. It happened. It's over, and now it's time to focus on 2020, and people keep asking, are the Rays going to be any good this year? Well, I, I personally think they're one of the top two or three teams in the American League. Now, again, you got to go out and perform. you got to get the job done. Last year, we sat here and for the Rays, who we thought at the time would be a playoff team. We thought they were one of the five best teams in the American League, and that proved to uh, come to a fruition. But we said, you know, this had to happen, and that had to happen, and guys had to stay healthy, and Blake Snell had to do this, and uh, we had to have a big year from this guy and that guy. I'm not sure we were able to check too many boxes, and yet somehow, some way, Kevin Cash and his staff and the players won 96 games, got us into the postseason, and then we took the Houston Astros to Game 5, unfortunately losing that game. But, you know, sometimes I think you get a situation like that, especially with young players, and they feel like they accomplished something what they did and they can kind of rest on their laurels. I get the feeling, and you were in the clubhouse after Game 5 too, that these guys feel like they've got some unfinished business, that this group led by Kevin Cash, led by you know guys like Willie and Kevin Kiermaier, Charlie Morton, Blake Snell, who we're going to have here in just a little while, these guys feel – like that was only the beginning. It wasn't the end of something big. It was only the beginning of something big. And I know you made reference to that last year during the uh, kind of our post talk of uh, Game Five. Yeah, not not the beginning of the end. Not the uh, not the uh, 
just the be, the end, but the, the end of the beginning. I you mean, said I it a think, little more fluently. <laughs> I had time to think about it back then. But, you know, it's funny, too, when you think about last year compared to this year. And I, I, I too, am optimistic just like you. And I don't know how you couldn't be when you look at mm-hmm. what this group is. We're going to be talking to Blake Snell in just a little bit. Are we bit. really going to have five starting pitchers? Well, that's one of the questions. We're going to have Blake Snell and Eric Neander. And we'll talk about maybe there will be less of the opener this year. But if you think about last season, all that went wrong. And then there we were in September going, wait a minute, we're still on pace with the 08 team. We're still on pace with the, the 2010 team. We're still ahead of the pace of some of the other teams, like 13, that made postseason. What if things actually went right? What if you know, what if Blake Snell gets through this year without any injuries? What if, you know, whoever. What, what if this team stays healthy? Mm-hmm. That, to me, it could be a really, really, to coin the buzzword, magical year. And the other buzzword, of course, here this time of year is if. Everything is if. If this goes well, if that goes well, we know who's not with the Rays anymore. We know who is with the Rays now. Yoshi Tatsugo is going to be here. Jose Martinez will be with the group to kill left-handed pitching. Hunter Renfro is going to be part of the group. We might see more of Austin Meadows in left field than in right field. There, there's there's tons to, to figure out over these next couple of weeks in spring training. Uh, I, I think this is going to be a very interesting spring training, uh, positionally where certain guys play out. Who can stay healthy? Uh, what is their rotation? Who starts opening day? I think there's, there's plenty of questions questions for the team heading into the year, but none of them are, are live and die questions. I think we all know the Rays are going to be pretty darn good this year. They should be. And, you know, you start talking about health and health to me is always the number one thing for a team that's somewhat fragile when it comes to payroll and the amount of uh, depth you might have. But this team has a lot of depth. And, uh, you know, you start thinking about, yes, we, you know, Tommy Pham moved on. Uh, Travis Darno moved on. They were two big pieces to the offensive puzzle last year. But I thought that uh, Eric Neander and crew, and that crew has been kind of picked away the last yeah. uh, few weeks as well, did a great job of uh, supplementing the roster by bringing in, like you said, Martinez, Susugo, and other guys who I think can supplement the offensive side of things and give Kevin Cash some options to go lefty versus righty and, and maybe you know uh, have some options that way. But t- to me, again, it is about health. I mean, you think back to last year, Everybody focuses on who's going to be on the team on March 26th. Andrew Friedman uh, told me one of the first uh, years he was here as a GM, he said, you know, we're going to go through about 19, 18 to 21 pitchers. And, and that's if, if things go fairly good and guys stay healthy. We're going to use about nine starting pitchers. We're going to probably use close to 40 players. Last year, the Rays used 33 pitchers. 33 pitchers to be one of the top two teams in earned run average and, and run prevention. They used 57 different players. I mean, that was absolutely incredible. And then I think we used the injured list 24 different times. Everybody focused on the Yankees and the guys they lost, but the Yankees supplemented their top four with two or three other guys that could be starters on almost every other team. So they didn't really have that much of a fall-off. We were going to guys in double-A, and we were going to guys that we were calling up from the minor leagues that I know I didn't know and weren't really on my radar, weren't on your radar. The only guy that it might have been on the radar was of radar, Neil Solons. He probably was uh, the guy that knew uh, who was the, you know, the backup to the backup to the the backup to the backup but that's where we got sometimes and yet this team still won 96 games so yeah I can play that what if game too what if we stay healthy what if Blake Snell and Tyler Glass now were both 100% going into last year's postseason right against the Astros would things have been a little bit different in that regard too so you know health is a big thing for me and I think it all starts here in the next week or so when they start reporting down to uh, Port Charlotte and, and get this thing going February 22nd you mentioned opening day for the regular season but February 22nd we are within three weeks of doing our first broadcast yeah. uh, of Rays baseball on the 22nd against the Boston Red Sox, who, you know, again, 
even with the trade of Mookie Betts and David Price, which I guess is right now kind of uh, stuck in La La Land a little bit, no pun intended that they're heading out to Los Angeles, but there's some issues going on there. But even without those guys, they're still going to be a very formidable team. Are they going to be as good? You're never as good as you were after you've traded away a Mookie Betts and a David Price, but they still have some guys that are, are very, very good. They've got Chris Sale. If he's, if he's healthy, he's a very good pitcher. They've got a couple other guys, but uh, it, it, I'm – if I have to go help Mookie Betts pack his bags to make sure he gets to Los Angeles, I'll do it. Dave, talking about that, that's holding up the kid, Brunster, greater all, I guess, from the Twins. So there's a question about his health. So that trade, while it looks like it's going to happen, is a little bit up in the air, too. And uh, you think of the trajectory of this team. 2016, they won 60-something games, what, 66 games, I think. 80 the next year, 90 the next year, 96 last year, plus three. So this team just missed 100 wins. And Kevin Cash still has not won manager of the year. Somehow, some way, he has slipped through the cracks. But And actually, he's one of the more senior managers now in mm-hmm. the American League to see his progress. And uh, I, from what you mentioned, too, the, the starting rotation, I was, I was last night just jotting down some of the, some of the names of the, of the guys between Fairbanks and Richards and Kittredge is back and Bonda back, Honeywell hopefully, uh, Big Strake. I mean, the list goes on. I, I think – this year will be very similar to what you're talking about with the 33 pitchers. That used to mean that you were a bad team if you went through that many players, positionally that many pitchers. But now I think the Rays have just forged ahead, and other teams are now trying to do it. It wasn't that long ago, of course, even last year, that people were still criticizing the Rays for the opener and for how they use things. I'm not hearing criticism this offseason about anything. Not as much, no. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how everything plays out. You've got the 26 man that's going to be on a roster this year, uh, the limit on the number of pitchers you can have on the roster at a time, yeah. and then the whole, you know, not having, you know, facing three batters in a row coming out of the pen. I know the Rays were always very, very good at mixing and matching. That's one of the things uh, that I think Kevin Cash has been absolutely brilliant at, along with Kyle Snyder and the front office that plays this out before the game as to who matches up well against that certain individual. So all that stuff's going to change a little bit now uh, with the the three batter minimum, you know, in the middle of an inning. It could stop if the inning comes to a close. So all that stuff's going to kind of uh, weigh again. I'm not sure if it's going to be in favor of the Rays. I think one of the things that the Rays have done here the last couple of years, though, is kind of moved away from that one guy, one batter mm-hmm. opportunity because you've got guys who have a little more oomph to their fastball. We don't have the 89-91 guy coming out of the pen. We've got the 95-97 to guy more so that can power through some of those guys. I'm not a big fan of the new rule. I don't think it's going to speed the game up. As a matter of fact, I think it might even slow it down because if you get a right-hander or a lefty against a tough righty, instead of you know not facing him and bringing in another righty to get him out, you're going to have a lefty who's going to maybe bounce a couple in, maybe have him followed up, maybe make the at-bat a lot longer than it probably should be, or you know you put the four fingers up and really then slow the game down. But um, I'm not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of some of the things that they've done to try to speed the game up. Robotic umpires during the spring, we're going to see a little bit of that, I guess. So, uh, you know, the game's changing right in front of us. Uh, I'm not one of those guys to moan and groan about it. I leave that to the national guys, but uh, I'm excited for what we're going to see here in 2020 down in Port Charlotte. Again, we can talk about it with Blake. We're going to talk about yep. it with Eric here in a little bit, and and there's some things going on at the complex, too, where the, the Rays have really put some more money into the complex down in Port Charlotte to improve it and to give the players, again, some of the best amenities that they can possibly have to get ready for a long big league season. And speaking of Blake Snell, we're going to be joined by him in just a moment. A couple of quick things to run down the dates. This Saturday is Fan Fest at Tropicana Field on February the 8th. Uh, and all, you only need to take it if you're 18 or older. And to get your free ticket, you must download the Ballpark app. That's how you get to Tropicana Field for Fan Fest. February 13th, pitchers and catchers first workout. 
February 18th, first full squad workout. And like Dave said, Saturday, February 22nd, we'll be on the air from Fort Myers Rays at Red Sox. So we're at the Golden Diamond Source Performance Theater with Dave Wills. I'm Andy Free. This is Countdown to Opening Day. Yeah, we do it in the afternoon now. We're going to do it next Thursday at noon also. Uh, and when we come back, we'll be joined by Blake Snell who, of course, won the Cy Young in 2018. He got a chance to pitch in postseason last year. Lots to break down with Blake. This is Countdown to Opening Day on 95.3 WDAE and AM 620. This coming Saturday at 11 o'clock, Tropicana Field. Meet your favorite players, play games on the field, and hear panels featuring front office personnel. Claim your free ticket today, and you got to do it through the MLB Ballpark app. That MLB Ballpark app is really fantastic. It is, and, uh, you know, again, it's it's something that we're going to be really – uh, working on expanding and doing some different things with during the year. And I know we had some great meetings with the folks uh, just last week when we were at the uh, Hard Rock down the street. But uh, the MLB Ballpark app is really going to be your place to go, to not only for FanFest, but for ticket purchasing and, and all things raised, highlights, podcasts, uh, you name it. And it's going to be on that MLB Ballpark app. And right now, a guy that was on the Ballpark app uh, a number of times last year and a guy that was the uh, Cy Young Award winner a couple of years ago. And Rays fans are expecting big things, a big bounce back year from our guest here at the, uh, again, Golden Diamond Source Performance Theater. Blake Snell has uh, blessed us with his presence here today. And, Blake, thank you very, very much for taking the time to come out. I know that, uh, you know, a lot of people are really, really excited about this Rays team here in 2020. It starts with the pitching staff. Last year, the Rays were able to get the 96 wins. And, uh, you know, I still sometimes scratch my head and wonder how we did it with all the injuries and all the, the things that didn't go the Rays' way. A lot of times for a team that's at the lower level of payrolls, in order to get the 96 wins, so many things have to go right. But so many things did not go right for the Rays last year. So does that give you maybe a little more thought of if, if what this team is capable of doing if everybody does stay healthy and performs up to their abilities? Yeah, I mean, uh, if you have, I mean... Yeah, there was just way too many injuries, little injuries, big injuries. Um, but it just I think first it just lets you know that what Eric's doing is right, mm-hmm. it's working. Uh, he has guys that can come up and fill that spot. But uh, if we're a healthy team, I really think, yeah, we're, we're way better. We're going to win more games. Um, and, I mean, I hope we'd go deeper into the playoffs too. Well, well I'm, I'm- – just, I got a little nervous, though. You're walking up to the stage. You've got your, your flip-flops on yeah. and, or your sandals on. Anybody else want him to wear, like, steel-toed shoes while he's walking <laughs> around here? I mean, I, I'm, I'm hoping that this thing right here doesn't weigh too much. Or anything like that, but, you know, yeah. it, it, it's one of those things where, yeah, I mean, you, you do think about the job that the front office did. Does that help when you – I know we had some things going on where we traded some people during the offseason. From a player standpoint, does that really help, though? Is it, is it like it's as in Eric we trust? Yeah, I mean, everything he does is right. I mean, I've second-guessed him a couple times, and then he ends up being right, and then I look <laughs> dumb. So I'm not second-guessing him anymore. Um, yeah, I just I, I like I just like how honest and open he is with us. Um, I get to talk to Eric a lot, and I get to talk about all his moves, decisions, and learn from him. And uh, I just think we're very lucky to have Eric at the helm. And, I mean, he's putting, he's putting together quite a team. It's it lends credibility too that it seems like so many of the other teams want the Rays front office guys or want the Rays coaching, uh, you know, Charlie Montoyo and and Rocco and now James and uh, and Kyle also. I mean, from a player standpoint too, that's got to also let you know other teams are paying pretty close attention to how the Rays are doing this. Yeah, they need to stop paying attention. I don't want that. I don't like them taking our people. I like all our people. Um, I've said it before. I said it to Heim when he was here. Um, 
the I mean, we have a great team, and they really have put together a great team the last last couple of years that I've been able to watch. And uh, but I mean, the staff is unbelievable. The people that I get to be around every day is. Is some of the best people I've ever been around in my life. So the broadcasters are really nice. They're like the best. Yeah, yeah they're the best. <laughs> um, but no, but in all honesty, yeah. everyone around me is just such great people, and uh, that comes from Eric Heim and and what they believe in and what they're bringing in. And yeah, just stop taking stop taking our people. Like <laughs> just let us be. Let us be quiet over here. Stop taking them. Last. Uh Two years ago, 21 games, uh, you won 21 games, won the American League Cy Young. You go into last season, and you know one of the things I've always really, really admired from you uh, uh, about you, even going back to your rookie year, was I, I think you're, you're, you're your toughest critic. Uh, you, you're such a really good self-evaluator. I would come back to the next day after maybe a tough start, and Andy and I would talk about your post-game comments, and you're saying everything that you never pointed to anybody else and said, well, you know what, I pitched well enough, but if this would have happened, or I thought I pitched well, but I know I gave up this many runs. You were, you were always very, very tough on yourself. You've been a very good self-evaluator. When you look back to the last year, and I just asked you a couple moments ago how you're feeling, you're saying, I feel as good as I felt the, the last three years. What do you think you need to do different here in 2020 that you may not have done approaching the 2019 season or is there anything you need to do different uh yeah i mean uh i kind of tapped into like my diet and my sleep um i felt like maybe th those were things that'll make me feel better on game days um better through the weeks um and i felt i felt like th those would be things that would maybe help prevent me from injury uh so that's kind of what i've been focusing on is just sleep and what i'm putting into my body um but, I mean, last year the stuff was really good. Mm -hmm. It's just I was hurt, and I wasn't able to find consistency and a rhythm and, and get going like I did in 18. So uh, my stuff was good. I just think it was some bad luck. And then on top of that, I needed to grow and learn. And I feel like with what I'm doing now with uh, the eating and sleeping, I think it's something that's really going to help me uh, be a lot better for this year. When you – were injured at the end of July. I always point back to that weekend in Toronto where the Rays blew the big lead, then they came back after uh, falling behind by so much early in the one. I remember talking to Kevin Cash that weekend, and even he was confiding in us off the air at the time, saying, with Blake hurt, we don't know if, when we're getting it back. All the other guys were hurt. I, I, you know, I, I want to think we can do this, but this is going to be tough. Not only did the team do it, but they revved it up in September. W what were your feelings at that time? in late July, and did you think you'd be able to come back and perform? You know, I mean, you were just getting in under the wire when the season is coming to an end. Then you pitch in postseason well also. I mean, what, can you take us through what was going through your mind during that roller coaster? Yeah, when I got hurt, I was like, okay, now we got to – I'll be here working out. I got to get as ready as I can get. Um, and I thought I was going to – dump. I've never been hurt, so right. I didn't know what to expect. But I just knew I was going to work as hard as I could, try to get back as quick as I could uh, with being healthy. And then um, I threw in my first game, and it was, like, the weirdest thing ever. Like, I threw in AAA. Throwing was just weird. Um, I never felt that way. And it was, like, the end of the season where I always feel great. So that was super hard for me. And then I had a good game, uh, my second go. And then my, third, my first big league start, I think, was against the Dodgers. And uh, I felt really – I was really excited for that game. I was looking forward to facing them. But I just felt, I mean, all of September, I felt really like crap. So it was tough to really, like, for me to be so excited. Our team's winning. Our team's playing so good. 
uh, but I'm not contributing. I'm not. I'm pitching pretty bad, uh, and that was super tough for me. Uh, my last start was in Toronto. I felt good, but still not not what I wanted. Um, and I was just like that whole September was probably the toughest month I've had in baseball. Period, um, which is uh, how how I felt, what I had to go through. But I think the coolest part was when the when the postseason started. It was like a whole new me, like a whole new page. Uh, and what my teammates were saying to me and how positive and confident they were as well as coaches, I think that's that's really where I was like, okay, like this is going to be a fun postseason. I, I didn't even feel like any of that happened. Because you were kind of out of your comfort zone, did yeah. it, in a way, when you're called upon to pitch to close out game four, yeah. was it almost like, you know what, I'm out of my comfort zone, but who cares anymore? It wasn't even like I'm out of my comfort zone. Uh, when I was in the bullpen for that game, it was kind of like I was pumped. I was like – of all, like, Cash really, like, he believes in me the way he always has. Like, that's never wavered. Uh, and the team believes in me. And that was, like, the coolest part. Like, I know I could close the game out. I know, like, I'm capable to, to win ball games. So, for them to be like, you're hurt, but we trust you. Like, go go f- close this game out. That was, like, the coolest thing for me. Uh, just to see, like, the team's reaction um, and to see how much trust they still had in me. We are inside the Golden Diamond Source Performance Theater with Andy Freed. I'm Dave Wills. Blake Snell joining us here for a few more moments on our countdown to opening day show. You're home for Rays Baseball, uh, 95.3 WDAE. And uh, when, when you think back, I mean, as a starter, it's a totally different feel to be on that mound nowadays for the high fives and handshakes. The complete game is really not uh, something that pitching coaches or managers concern themselves about. So what was that like? What was the energy like? For you to be on the mound at that time, second and third, I think it was, you strike out the, uh, the the final batter, you get the high fives and the handshakes. It had to be a totally different feeling than what you're usually accustomed to. Yeah, uh, it was. I kind of blacked out, honestly, so I don't really remember. <laughs> I just was like, I came in, I was like mad. I struck Alvarez out, Gary L grounds out the second. Uh, Tommy Pham like ran at me. <laughs> I remember that. I was kind of like, bro, relax. Um, <laughs> And then, yeah, it was just, like, all crazy. But I was kind of just blacked out. Uh, I didn't really know what was going on. I know I just saw Tommy run at me. I was like, relax. That would wake you up. And then I went up to Darno, gave him a hug, and then, yeah, and then everyone was all jacked up in the clubhouse. I think the best part is winning and then seeing the clubhouse. Yeah. The clubhouse just erupts. Everyone goes crazy after every win. So. And how about just seeing the ballpark the way it was, too, with the yellow towels and yeah, the Yeah, they fans? were – I mean, I was, like – yeah, that was better. That was like the best I've ever seen the trap. Yeah. I mean, I thought opening days like always like the coolest part about the trap, and then I saw that and I was like, okay, we got to get back here. Um, but like even like the Choi chants, yeah, they were just into the game. Mm-hmm. Like, it was so loud, and it was just really fun to see like the city, kind of the city, come together um, and support us uh, in that way. So, yeah, I mean, I hope we get to see that a lot more often. Uh, just during the season, too, because um, I know it really made us come ready to play. Blake, what, what excites you most about this 2020 season? When you when you think about where we were, where we got to last year, and I said, uh, again, I'm, I'm kind of putting words in the mouths of the players just by seeing the way you guys reacted after losing game five, that this was not something that you guys thought, all right, well, mission accomplished. We made it to the postseason. That's probably all we're supposed to do as the Tampa Bay Rays. I got the feeling that as we were saying goodbye to everybody in the clubhouse and on the plane, that this was only the beginning of what you guys were looking to accomplish. Yeah. That, that was just the start of it. Yeah, we believe that, too. Um, we, are, we were just really disappointed uh, when we lost uh, game five. We really thought uh, we were going to go all the way. We thought we could do it. Uh, we came up short, and that was very disappointing to us. But... 
I mean, I've seen a lot of the guys, a lot of the pitchers already here, and I've seen the way their bodies look, and I mean, they look ready, ready to go, which is very exciting. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just think the team, we've been, we all know each other, we all love each other. It's the core of this team is really strong, um, and I, I think, yeah, I really do believe I, that for the next three, four years, we're going to be a, a really solid team that's going to be very tough to beat because one, our pitching's so good, but Two, our defense is just as good. Mm-hmm. Do the p- pitchers, do the players keep in touch at all during the offseason? Do you guys talk about it verbally, or is it just kind of under the radar, everybody is on the same page about their thoughts for this year? Yeah, I mean, I talked to, like, Tommy, so this kind of sucks he's gone. But Yeah. Um, we know you felt that way. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that was kind of, like, the only guy I really talked to. Yeah. Uh, and, like, Everyone we traded were like all the guys I talked to. <laughs> so I'm done talking to people. <laughs> I like the team the way it is. Um, but I don't really talk to anyone on the team right now. Um, but when you see them, it's like it's the same thing. I've been with these guys, so, what, eight months a year or something like that. So, I mean, I think the space is needed. Uh, but I know the feeling. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Dave goes north, I go south. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean <laughs> – so there's that, but when we when we see each other, it's nothing but love, and everyone's very excited. And I mean, we all have the same goal: win a World Series. One so. of the one of the things that I'm going to find interesting this year is watching how the catching situation develops. I know last yeah. year Travis saved our behinds by doing what he did, getting picked up off the scrap heap, uh, and uh, coming in and doing what he did both behind the plate and especially what he did next to the plate. But this will be one of the first times I think you, you're going to be able to maybe throw to the same guys yeah. in back-to-back years. Mike Zanino knows you a little bit better. Mikey Perez has been around for a while, even though he's been hurt. How much does that help? a pitcher like yourself, knowing the guys that are going to be behind the dish. Yeah, and uh, it helps a lot uh, because you need to be able to form a relationship and build comfort. I think everything is just is comfort with your catcher. you got to be comfortable with them. If you don't trust them, it's going to be a long year. It's going to be tough. Um, so I've been lucky, though. The catchers that I've had, I've been able to get in a rhythm with them uh, for the most part. So I'm excited for Mikey, for uh, Perez and Zanino. So – um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. They're both really good, very talented. They, they're aware of the game, so should be no problem. How is it? How important is that those early days of spring training? You know, there's a reason pitchers report before, uh, so you guys can really focus with the catchers. And there's also Chris Herman, there's Kevin Smith, there's some other guys I'd imagine yeah. you'll be getting to know too. How, how do you develop the relationship for some guys that, that you haven't not thrown to before? You just got to go talk to them. Um, I mean – and that's kind of the hardest part is talking to them, understanding them. You gotta, you gotta like that. You have to be friends with them, even if you don't like them. You have to. Um, so you gotta form that relationship, uh, build trust, uh, and be able to learn from each other because uh, he's gonna know some things I don't know. I'm gonna know some things he doesn't know. Talk, figure it out, and then get a game plan ready to go to battle and see what you guys can do. Mindset is such a big thing, too. And Do you feel like you're in a better spot mentally maybe or a different spot mentally from where you were a year ago because you're not the defending Cy Young champ? I mean, maybe you, yeah. people thought you had to reinvent yourself or do something different. You had to maybe mix in. I mean, there, there were so many people, so many experts saying this is why Blake Snell isn't doing what he was doing in, in 2018 or 2019 as he was yeah. doing in 2018. And, you know, we had our few thoughts on the air a number of times as well. And then you kind of look back and you go, wait a second, 2018 didn't exactly start out 
15 and 0. I mean, you know, you yeah. kind of worked through some things and then you took off. But do you feel you said physically you feel better? Yeah. Do you think you're in a better spot mentally too going into 2020 as opposed to maybe a year ago? Uh, I mean, yeah, because you're going to learn, you're going to grow, you're going to get better. Uh, if you stay the same, you're just kind of screwed. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for me, I feel great. I feel ready. I feel excited for this year. Um, I, I really think I put a lot of work in that's going to help me succeed this year. Um, but I feel this. I felt the same way last year. I felt every year I get better. Mm-hmm. Every year I learn. I grow. So last year I felt better than 18. Tommy, Tommy, fam. You know, again, I thought he was a big part of the race success. Getting the 90 wins a couple of years ago when we picked him up, his win percentage was outstanding. When he was on the field, this team played with a little more of an edge. This team had a guy that played that way that, uh, you know, wanted to beat the other team. Do you get the feeling, I know he's not going to be here, but do you get the feeling that maybe some of that kind of by osmosis might have dripped off to some of the other players, like maybe yourself, that, that, that you know, he, you kind of looked at him, saw how he prepped for games, saw how he got himself mentally ready for games. Did, did that help having a guy like that around and maybe help you now going uh, into the future? Yeah, I'd say for me because we're like we're very similar in the way we thought, the way we would always talk. So we always helped each other because uh, it was cool to see someone that wanted to win as much as he did um, and as much as I did, honestly. Um, and for him, he gets to play every day, so that's exciting. For me, I got to wait. I got to sit there and be bored and <laughs> try to learn and do things to make me as prepared as I'll be for the next team I'm facing in five days or whatever it is. And, uh, yeah, so being a pitcher is really tough because bad start, you're sitting there thinking about it all day. Good start, you just want to pitch again. So it's like there's no winning. Um, but I think I think Tommy did rub off on a lot of guys. Um, hopefully one of the position players, I mean, KK is a guy that's always been a, a good clubhouse leader for us. So uh, hopefully his swag, um, there's other players that. He had it. some swag, there's no doubt. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you learn much from Charlie Morton last year, watching a, a veteran pitcher come in and have the kind of year that he had? And what did you learn from him? Yeah, um, I learned a lot from him. A lot of, like, things that were just little. Um, like the way I call a game. Um, I added a lot more signs. So mm-hmm. that was tough for me. <laughs> um, Why do we have to add more signs? I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like I had like seven sets of signs. Like yeah. usually I would have like two or three. But – Charlie taught me that. Um, and Charlie, I mean, he just taught me a lot. He's so wise and It's smart. an interesting guy. Even off the field, he's an interesting he's guy. He's the best. Talk. Like, there's no one better than that guy. I thought um, you said Chico was the best. <laughs> on the field. Oh, okay. <laughs> Chico's off the field. What will your, your plan – I know how close you and Kyle Snyder are. What, what is your plan moving forward, specifically day-to-day, week-to-week, leading up to, you know, spring training games? Just building. Uh, getting stronger, just being more comfortable with what I'm throwing. Um, just the usual stuff. But I don't know. It's kind of weird. Me and Kyle talk every day. So there's so much every day. I don't know. I just kind of – we talk about Wait, so you're stuff. friends with him. We're not getting rid of him too, are we? If we get rid of him, <laughs> I'm losing it. <laughs> is, there, is there something to be said about being opening day starter? Uh, have you even thought about that? As you look ahead to, to March 26th, or I no. mean, Charlie did what he did last year. Yeah. He, he's the he's the you know no the oldest guy. No one talks about I mean. that enough. He finished third on the Cy Young. Yeah. Like, the dude's an animal. He is. Um, yeah, but our whole pitching staff's really good. Mm-hmm. So to have him up there and kind of lead all of us uh, with his maturity and how talented he really is, uh, we're very lucky. 
Before we wrap up, because I know we're almost out of time, tell us about, again, how you connect with fans during the offseason. And I know uh, uh, that that yeah. stuff sometimes gets out there even more than you realize. But are there are there fans that you got a chance <laughs> to meet and talk to this year? Uh, do they want to talk about the Rays or much? And, and, and how do you connect with yeah, them? Yeah, so like um, last year I started in the offseason, I started streaming and video right. games. I just thought it would be cool. I thought it would be a way to connect. Um, so I did that. And then through the year, they just come to the field. They'll be like, hey, I'm so-and-so, and then we just talk for like 20 minutes. But you build that relationship kind of just playing video games. I remember the name, kind of talk to them about their day, how's it going, just random stuff, wherever uh, the chat may go. Uh, and then I started meeting all these people. And there's a bunch of shy people. By the way, like, they can hide behind a computer screen, so they're shy. They come down to the field, they meet me. I usually have like a ball or something for them, whatever I think would be cool. And then we talk, and they're like the most shy humans I've ever met. Like, that's the one thing I know about. Everyone I meet from my stream is so shy. Are they shy, though, when you're talking to them when you're playing the game? No, they're like, tight. They're tight. Right. I can't see them. Right. So, right. yeah. And then I see them, and they're like, hey. <laughs> like, I'm like, you've watched me for over 100 hours play video games, and you're going to be shy when you see me? Right. And I feel like we've built this, like, bond and relationship to where you should not be shy. It's great. Well, yeah. we, hey, again, we, we appreciate you not being shy amongst us. And uh, yeah. come on in out. Blake Snell joining us here. And, Blake, good luck this season. Thank you. Really man. looking forward to seeing you on the bump. Bump day for Blake. Hey, Rays open spring training at Charlotte Sports Park on Sunday, February 23rd against the Yankees. Grab your single-game tickets for every spring training matchup at RaysBaseball.com slash spring training. Raise up. We'll come back with Eric Neander. We'll talk with him when we come back after this on 95.3 WDAE and AM 620, your home for the race. You can join us for lunch next Thursday, uh, same time again. And we're going to be at Thomas P's, Thomas P's Sports Bar and Patio on Henderson Road up in Tampa for the next edition of Countdown to Opening Day. Good place. Yeah, I I think Dave has at least driven by it before. He might have an idea where it is. We'll be broadcasting live on 95.3 WDAE starting at noon while you enjoy $2 Budweiser drafts and $8 Budweiser pitchers. That's next Thursday at noon. Thomas P's Sports Bar and Patio in Tampa. Thanks to Budweiser. Might even have to stop there on the way home. You never know. Just to see what it's like on a Thursday afternoon. But Scouting mission. Right now, uh, Eric Neander, the Rays Senior VP in charge of baseball operations and general manager who uh, on a number of fronts was named – Major League Baseball's Executive of the Year for what the Rays did in winning 96 games and getting to the postseason, only using 57 players, only using <laughs> 33 different pitchers. Uh, who knows how we, uh, again, were able to get to where we did. But a big part of it was Eric. And, Eric, uh, I guess the number one question after, first of all, thanks for coming out here today uh, as we are on the uh, eve of spring training. What do we do for an encore? <laughs> Stay <You> tuned. You <laughs> <laughs> have to come out and, and check them out. Uh, uh, great question. Uh, I think, you know, the, the group's a little bit different, but a lot of the pieces are, are still here. I think the encore, ideally it starts with better health than what we had last mm. year. You know, we had a lot of players that, that stepped up and, uh, pitched in and, and, and made that, uh, what was a really memorable season possible. But, um, ideally with, with better health, there's, there's another level up from, from where we were, but, um, to do, to do what we did, you know, to answer Houston, those two games at home was uh, was pretty special, and you know we couldn't get them in Game Five back at Houston, and Garrett Cole got us. But uh, do feel like the overall trend line of our group, our trajectory. It's hard to win 96 games, be that beat up, and but feel still still feel like that trajectory's 
pointing up, and, and that's how we feel, and we'll see what happens. The industry taking such note, of course, of, of what the Rays are doing. You're to be complimented for that. But, of course, you've had guys that you've worked with before that are no longer with the Rays. James Click just last week going to Houston. Chaim Bloom, of course, with the Red Sox. How does that change things internally? Uh, ultimately, i got to think it's a compliment to the Rays organization. Yeah, it's um, it, it's when you're having success, you're, you're noticed and things like that happen. And it, and it beats being on the other side of it, which is, you know, we've, we've been there uh, and, and not that long ago. So, I, you know, first and foremost, there's there's a happiness um, and, and, and a joy you feel for, you know, for Haim, for James, for people that have these opportunities. Mm-hmm. You love to create those opportunities for people here. It doesn't always happen. And uh, but to see them go out and to, to have the chance to, to lead organizations and to do that is uh, the overwhelming feeling is happiness. And then, but back to our reality and, and what we need to do, uh, we have a lot of really good people here. We, we put a lot of time and energy into the entry level and to developing and growing staff here. And we're, we're committed to doing everything we can to provide them the, the, those next opportunities. Um, we don't look outside the organization very often to fill these spots. And uh, that's certainly the case this winter. Uh, Heim's departure first, and then James. It's by and large, it's it's all internal, and it's given some people a chance to get in the deep end and and see if they can get up to the surface and start swimming. And uh, I think I think they will. When you look at this uh, 2020 season, you know this was an interesting off season because. There were still a couple of moves that were the Rays' way. A guy gets to where he's on the cuffs but making a lot of money, and we move him for some uh, you know, p- prospects, or in this case, Hunter Renfro, a guy that is kind of like the perfect Ray, a guy that looks like he's about ready to take off, and we're catching him just as he's about ready to blossom. And then you also then made a, a trade that is not the Rays' way. You traded our number one draft pick from a couple of years ago, Matthew Libertor, to the Cardinals for a couple of guys that are going to be able to help us hopefully here in 2020. From a Guy who's putting together the baseball team, does your mindset change when you get the 96 wins and the window is open as opposed to where it was maybe three or four years ago when you were trading a Dickerson and a Souza Jr. and people were upset about it, but I kept trying to remind people we weren't breaking up the 27 Yankees. Now we're looking to beat the 27 Yankees or the 2020 Yankees, and you have to have that on your on your your your, your vision. You have to have that in your sights. Yeah, and and – uh, absolutely, and it's part of, um, you know, it's yes, and, it, and and even more so when we're as competitive as we are at present, and with the expectations being where they are, um, we're we're a lot more mindful of the immediate season. You know, it's in front of us than you know two three years ago, let's say by by comparison. But uh, one of the things that we need to be disciplined about this, we don't want to be unnecessarily stubborn about it, is that we don't want to be in the situation we were in and. 14, 15, 16, 17, and taking several years to try to get back to this point. And, um, you know, that's that's some of the balancing act that um, that we, you know, we endure and that we we, we try to work with. And uh, that was, you know, the, the deal with San Diego was a little bit of that of, of that mix. We picked up a player in Hunter Renfro that we're really excited to feel like he, you know, might have been on the cusp of uh, really establishing himself as a high-end major league player, you know, battled through some injuries. The, the performance went down. We'll see what happens. But, you know, Xavier Edwards is kind of that help, that balance of making sure we're in a good position the next several years. And the deal with St. Louis was kind of on the other side where uh, a couple of guys that, that we value highly, Randy Rosarena being the piece we hope we can grow and become a core um, contributor for us the next several years, Jose Martinez more immediately. Uh, that's done with an eye towards, you know, trying to really enhance this group, not just for 2020, but for ideally several seasons. You know, people never really know 
what what other people do in their jobs. You think that you know, but you don't. And the reason I bring that up is people think, well, you're in there. You're oh, how about we trade this guy for that guy? There's such a backstory to all this stuff. I mean, we've heard Jose Martinez's name for years, and it was probably long before that that he first appeared on the radar. So when when say a move doesn't happen at a general matters meeting or a winter meetings, and we always hear groundwork is being laid. That that's really serious. So that's how that stuff starts to happen, even though it might not happen years down the road. Yeah, I, I think you know, in the in the case of the deal with St. Louis, um, both Jose and, and and Randy, those two pieces are are players that, in different types of conversations, but yeah, they dated back uh, at least. I'm thinking on each of them, two three years, um, and and just as time goes on, you you, you try to be transparent with other clubs you try to give them an idea of how you feel about some of their players and i you know over time if, if they know that and they give you some of that feeling too you can you know you, the timing is not always exactly where you want it and you just got to keep those doors open and uh things come together so uh, we were fortunate that that one came together for us this winter and uh, we hope we look back and feel the same way. Final question. Uh, again, uh, Blake used up a lot of your time slot. I'm sorry <laughs> yeah, about that. but uh, that's, that's that's probably better for everyone. <laughs> um, final question, though. When, when you, you look ahead to 2020, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to sit here and say playoffs are bust, but I think that's kind of the, the landscape that we've set here uh, the last couple of years. You, you have kind of the same feeling. Uh, I'm saying it as a broadcaster and a fan. I don't know if a general manager of a team could say that, but what's your thoughts? Uh, look, that's uh, – I think it's – very reasonable to have that expectation i don't know you know bust like things can happen you know sure. i think uh you know if you said hey if we had to use almost 60 players mm-hmm. last year and you win 96k probably not you know that's not and you know the ball bounced our way a few times guys stepped up that happens um i think this team uh you know it, it, it's a bit of a different look than where we started last year but i think in total the depth and and the starting point whatever that looks like it's it's at least as competitive as our you know what we thought going into last year and, and do believe this team has all of the ability and then some to compete for a postseason spot so uh, we'll take things one day at a time uh, there are a lot of guys that getting in the spring and the pitching side you know Charlie and Glass and Blake that we'll see how they come in and where they settle in and health is going to be big and you know Yoshi on the position player side Jose Martinez we got a lot of pieces we want to see but a lot of guys that we think are in position to have big years and if they all come together it should be a lot of fun gonna be a very interesting spring and I know we're out of time but we got a text Neil from St. Pete wants to know is Wander Franco going to be a September call-up Neil from St. Pete. Neil from the side here. <laughs> we're, uh, we're, we're pretty excited about Wander and, uh, yeah, one day at a time. There you go. Matt Silverman said maybe. Matt he Silverman did. said maybe, and he's a – Whatever you know. Neil says goes. <laughs> Eric Neander, the, uh, again, GM of the Rays, uh, executive of the year last year and expecting big things here in 2020. Thanks for taking the time. We appreciate it. We'll see you down at Port Charlotte. Thank you all. Eric Neander joining us. And a reminder that Countdown to Opening Day is a production of the Tampa Bay Rays Radio Network. Our executive producer is Larry McCabe. Today's game, or show, produced by Chris Miller, engineered by Tom Ponzo. Also, thanks our new booth concierges this year, Stephen Cusimano and Jeremy Sneed. They're going to be with us as well. Next week, we're going to be at Thomas P's on Henderson and Gunn at noon. Budweiser specials. Join us then. For Andy, I'm Dave. Again, this has been our first edition of the Rays Countdown to Opening Day show on uh, 95.3 and 620 AM WDAE, your home for the Rays.